Okay, we're back to podcast. I hope everyone has had a good week, a good cool week. Uh, the Lord has been good to us and blessed us in so many ways. And um, we are uh, we're moving into uh, Josiah. I told you we may do that. Josiah is probably my favorite of the kings, uh, you know, outside of David, naturally. And um, it, Josiah is just a great character in the Bible. Uh, before we go into it, do remember Sunday services. Unless the Lord changes my heart, uh, for the next two weeks, we'll be in messages on uh, seeing your life blessed, seeing it prospered, seeing good in it from the Lord. And uh, I can't think of a one of us that doesn't want, need, and uh, and hope to have that in our lives. So we're going to be we're going to be delving into those things from the scriptures. Uh, a lot of the book of Proverbs we'll be dealing with, and um, then also next Wednesday, a week from tonight, we'll be back in person Bible study. Uh, I've been telling you the twenty seventh of the month, and we're going to stick with that schedule. Uh, we'll start back every other week, um, and then hopefully, prayerfully, please be praying about the building. Um, we just I, I, again, I don't want to go into a lot of detail. It, it's um, it's a good location, it's in Landis, and um, the the other thing is it's they are remodeling the inside, and so we're uh, we the, the woman doesn't that owns it really doesn't want to show it until it's remodeled and the finish is done, uh, but it is being remodeled on the inside, and. Um, it's a great uh, prospect for us, great lake location. Um, it's not very far from where we are, so it's it's you know it's a little closer for some, maybe a little farther for for others. But uh, we we for the <clears throat> like I've been saying for some time now, for the long term health benefit of our church, uh, we do need our own place with offices and some side rooms, maybe. To, uh, to do things with children, um, to have, you know, a consistent Wednesday night service, um, to do, you know, have revival meetings, and uh, not only revival meetings, but to have uh, Bible schools, just a lot of things we can do when we have our own place. So um, I'm excited about it. I feel like this is probably the, the, the best um situation that we've came across now what's funny is since since then I've probably seen two or three other locations that have come available that I do not I do not feel as strongly about though this is this is uh, my favorite so far um, and so just be in prayer about it pray that God help us uh, and and I really feel like I know through the years um, a year and a half, we've there's been we've lost some, um, and uh, you know a lot. Some situations they were wanting to, to to meet, be able to meet more, have our own location. They felt like they wanted to go to church with its own location, and so I, I do feel like the growth is inevitable. 
uh, whenever we, we do find a place. And then at that point, uh, we it kind of expands our horizons. We'll be approaching five years before real long. And uh, if we wanted to, to purchase land or purchase something else, we could do so. So we, we, uh, we're planning for the future, moving, moving right ahead. And I just want you to be prayerful about it. All right, 2 Kings chapter 21. And I'm just reading from this real quickly just to let you know the people of the land where we're going. The people of the land slew all them that had conspired against King Ammon. People of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. So verse 23, we find that uh, Ammon, a man by the name of Ammon, is king. And he he suffers a conspiracy. He um, suffers through... Uh, he... Um, he, he did not do right. He's so now that as a matter of fact, I think the best way to go about this study of Josiah is to start with Ammon. I hadn't planned it, but the Lord just kind of laid it on my heart in Second Kings twenty one nineteen. Now here's why I say that Second Kings twenty one nineteen because I see a great lesson here. Okay, Second Kings twenty one nineteen Ammon was 20 and 2 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 2 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Meshlemeth the daughter of Haruz of Jokba and he did that which was look evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh did so remember Manasseh reigned in the stead of Hezekiah and uh, Manasseh was Hezekiah's son and uh, he reigned after Hezekiah's death now, uh, Ammon uh, reigns in, in the stead of Manasseh, and he follows in his father's footsteps. All right? So we see the generational issue here, but I like this. I like this. The Bible says here, verse 21, And he walked in all the way that his father walked in, and he served the idols that his father served, and worshipped them, forsook the Lord God of the fathers, of his fathers and walk not in the ways of the Lord. But watch. So what happens here? Verse 23, And the servants of Ammon conspired against him. So there's a conspiracy. You see, they have seen it good at this point. They have been under the reign of Hezekiah for a time. They've seen it good in Israel, and they're not going to accept it anymore. They're not going to, going to accept it anymore of what they're seeing under Manasseh and Ammon. And so they rise up. Now here's a lesson here. I've been making these applicable to the United States, to not just the United States uh, in government, because I'm not concerned with the government. The government's going to be opposed to God and all that is God. I'm concerned with Christians. I'm concerned with the church. I'm concerned with the children of God. And notice what happens. They have seen two generations of ungodly people reign. In fact, the last 15 years of Hezekiah wasn't good. And then Manasseh come in, and then Ammon. And in the midst of the reign of Ammon, 22 years old, 
his servants get fed up and they conspire against him. They rise up against him and there's a mutiny. Now there's a great parallel there to to America, to American Christians, American Christianity, the American church. We have <clears throat> suffered fools far too long. We have, have bowed down. We have given in to an ungodly government, an ungodly mindset. And in my heart, it's, it's really high time. And that's, that's the burden of Bethany. That's the burden of our church is us to be different, us to uh, not give in, not to bow down to Baal, not, not to bow when the king of this world plays his music, not to, to give in. Okay, so I want you to uh, I want you to notice this. They rise up, and as they rise up, they conspire against him, and they overtake him. They overtake him, and actually they kill him. If you see that in the scriptures, okay. Now. Look with me here in verse 24. And the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. Now, this is beautiful. Josiah. Josiah. What are we going to learn from this? Well, the first thing I learned is this. The people don't have to take, sit by, stand back, and take ungodly leadership. There's going to come a time in America, there's going to come a time in our local governments where we're not going to stand for ungodly representatives anymore. We're not going to... And, and by the way, the, the best way is to not comply. Non-compliance. Non-compliance and to be a voice. Just don't comply. And, and you and don't worry about the everybody worries about the consequences. Look, you've got a constitution that will back you against the non-compliance of of a government that is violating your rights. All right. So the people rise up. They're sick of ungodliness. They're sick of ungodly representatives. They're sick of ungodly leadership, and they don't take it anymore. And they conspire against Ammon. And when they conspire against Ammon, they make Josiah his son reign in his stead. Now, look at this. This gets interesting. The term Josiah, we first see it in verse 24, means Jehovah heals. Jehovah heals. God heals. God's going to heal us. God's going to heal his people. God's going to heal the land in accordance with his name. It was during Josiah's reign that, that the blessing was restored to Judah. Josiah is a good king, we're going to find out about. And he wipes out every vestige, every sign, every piece of idolatry. And when he dies, it ends the prosperity of Judah. So more than 300 years before Josiah was born, his, his, his birth was prophesied even. And his, even his name was foretold. You can look in 1 Kings 13 2. We'll not do that for the sake of time tonight. 1 Kings 13 2. You'll find 
that Josiah was prophesied. Not only was Josiah prophesied, his, his name was prophesied, meaning Jehovah heals, promising us that God is going to send a leader that's going to help heal the land of Judah and bring about blessings. So, let's get in to the life and the reign of Josiah. Chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. All right, we're going to stop right there. Not for the night. I'm going to stop right there and teach. So, they have suffered two generations of ungodly representatives. Two generations of ungodly leadership. They overthrow Ammon. And when they do, the one that's in line, prophesied of God, is waiting in the wings. Now, here's the issue. He's eight years old. Now, two things I immediately see, two lessons I immediately see in this. Number one, number one, you can break whatever quote-unquote generational curse that you think you fall under. Here's the reality. I know there are religious leaders or religious teachers, let me rephrase that, religious teachers that teach on generational curses. Not for the Christian. You are born again. I know people that are so hung up on their own genealogy and their own generation that it makes me wonder, are you even born again? It's interesting to know where you came from. It's interesting to know your past. But to begin to make it into a religion is against the teachings of the Word of God. Because when we get saved, we are born again by the grace of God. Born again, folks. Born again. That means we've got a new bloodline, which is royalty. So you can go back. Here, here's where I want you to trace my You said you ever done your genealogy? Never. Never done my genealogy. I don't care what my genealogy is. I don't care what my past is. If God doesn't care about my past, I don't care about my past. Because I can tell you where I can tell you where my bloodline goes to. My bloodline goes all the way back to Calvary. And a Jew hanging on a tree proclaiming it is finished. Tetelestai. So therein, when I got saved, July 19th, 1994, I, I celebrated a spiritual birthday this Tuesday. When I got saved, that was yesterday. When I got born again, I got born into a new family, the family of God. So number one, what I see here is you cannot blame your daddy being a drunk and your mama being a, being a, a lewd woman. You can't blame your daddy being a dope dealer. You can't blame not having a dad. You can't blame not having a mom. You can't blame where you come from on what you do today. You can't. What do you mean? Josiah comes from two generations. In fact, two and a half generations of people that did that which was wrong in the sight of God. The last 15 years of Hezekiah was terrible. Never did another spiritual thing. 
The entire reign of Manasseh was terrible. The entire reign of Ammon, his daddy was terrible to the degree that they had to overthrow him. And now we've got this eight-year-old boy and he's going to be the greatest king that Judah ever has. Now you explain that. Eight years old. Eight years old. And it doesn't matter what he come from. It matters what God's going to do with him, through him, and for him. At eight years old. Now, here's something else that does. Our social programs, our sociology of the day teaches that wherever you come from, that's your lot in life. They try to pigeonhole you. They try to put you in, in where they want you. They try to put you in your place based on where you come from. This boy was eight years old and had nothing but for two and a half generations godless people in his background. And yet at eight, he determines he's going to serve God when God puts him in the place to serve him. You can't stop God and you can't stop what God wanted because this boy was pro prophesied all the way back in 1 Kings down to his name, Jehovah Heals. That's lesson number one in this. Okay? Now here's the second lesson in this. Eight years old. You know what that also tells me? That God can use anybody. Just like the little girl that I refer to all the time that stood up in that cottage prayer meeting and started the Great Welsh Revival. God can use anybody. He can use a child as young as five or six. In fact, He can use a child even younger than that. Yeah. What, what do you mean? How many dads have gotten serious about serving God with the birth of their child? How many moms have gotten serious about serving God with the birth of their child? God used that child. But not only a child. I want to talk about the aged real quick. I've got some messages on serving God as an aged person. And what this lesson teaches us is from the youngest even to the oldest, God can use anyone. The oldest, I think of, I think of Miss Brenda that sings, Miss uh, Rhonda. She every week, week, she God uses her every week in singing, every single week. And you know what? When we had Mother's Day, she stood up as the oldest mother in the room, oldest mother in the room, and yet she sings every week. What does that tell me? That tells me that God can use anyone. And for our aged people, for our folks that have gotten older, God has given you a wisdom, I hope. Now look, just because you're old don't mean you, you got your wise. I, there ain't no fool like an old fool. I've said that so many times, it's, it's not even funny. And uh, in fact, I'm actually preaching on some of that this week. But folks that have walked with God through their life, God's given them an understanding and a wisdom, and you're a great benefit to the church. You're a great benefit to... In fact, that's what the scriptures teach us in Titus about older women or to teach younger women how to live godly, how to love their husbands, 
how, how to live for Jesus. Okay, just like the aged men should teach the young men. That's what your Bible teaches you. And I want to encourage our folks that have age on them, that are older people. I want to let you know that God's not finished with you. He can use anyone from the very youngest to the very oldest. Because we've got a boy here that's eight years old that turns out to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest king that Israel and Judah ever knows. It's highly debatable that he was the greatest. He might not be the most well-known like David or Solomon, but his track record speaks for itself. So Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 30 in one year in Jerusalem, so his reign ended at 39. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of David his father, turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Now, let me teach that. Who was his father? I've just taught you in the Bible it was Ammon. Didn't I? Just taught you in the Bible that Josiah's earthly father through the genealogical trace was Ammon. But the word of God here in verse 2 when it's speaking of doing that which is right does not identify Ammon as being Josiah's father. It says David his father. Well David's been... He's, it, I mean, what do you mean David is father? How, how, how is, he, is he doing that which is right? But David's not his father. David's been gone a long time. Nation's split at this particular point. What do you mean? I mean God recognizes the fact of his spiritual life. He is in the line of David. And he's walking with God like David. And God compares him to David. Even though Ammon was his earthly father. What do you mean? And that just lends further credibility and validity to what I was just saying about an earthly birth versus a new birth. God does recognize Ammon as being his father in the previous chapter. But when he comes down here to chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and he talks about David doing that which is, or, or Josiah doing that which is right, he recognizes David as being his father. So I can't help what our elderly fathers do. My father's God, and my, and my, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Verse 3. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Eleazar, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. Let them deliver it into the hand of the doers that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the doers of the work, which is in the house of the Lord, to repair the breaches of the house. Now this is a great chapter. Great. And the carpenters and builders and masons and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. Now, just like, do you remember that the revival under Hezekiah? What'd they do? They started in the house of God. 
They repaired the house of God. They fixed the house of God. That's always where revival is going to start. It's going to start in the house of God. But watch this. We're going to stop in verse 14, but I've got to. I'm about to bust to get from verse 8 to 14. And Hilkiah the priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Now, watch. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest had delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. That's a sign of repentance. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim the son of Shaphan and Achor the son of Mizkiah and Shaphan the scribe and Isaiah the servant of the king saying go ye inquire the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that is writ which is written concerning us so Hilkiah the priest and Achor and Achor and Shaphan and Isaiah went unto Judah the prophetess, the wife of Shilliam, the son of Tivakah, the son of Harris, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. Let's go ahead and read the rest of it. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that you sent to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Because they have forsaken me, and burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against the place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to acquire the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and as rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and time and thy eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Here's what I want you to see here. When they started going through the house of God and repairing it, they found the book. Revival comes from that book. Revival does not come from a song. Revival does not come from emotionalism. Revival does not come from a program. Revival does not come from a, a, a short series or a long series of meetings. Revival will come from the Word of God. And when they initially read what was in the book, it broke their hearts. They said, oh my God, we didn't even know what we were doing. We're in trouble wrath is coming upon us because we've been in violation of the book now today when people 
hear a preacher preach and he shows them in that word where they're in violation of the book, typically what happens is they get mad and they find them a preacher that'll tell them what they want to hear. And if they don't find them a preacher that they tell them what they want to hear, they'll stay mad at that preacher and they'll bow up and they won't listen to what he's saying. That's what happens most of the time. And because of that, they get wrath and judgment upon their life. But look here. Look what God does here. When he rent his clothes, that's a sign of repentance. He said, oh my God, we have sinned. We have failed. We have went against what God said. And it broke his heart and he went in repentance. And because, according to verse 19, thy heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, God didn't bring that wrath upon anyone that was tender-hearted, humble, and repented. You want to escape the wrath of God? Remain tender, remain humble, and repent. And you can experience revival no matter what goes on around you. All hell can be breaking loose, but you can hear from God. You can have revival, and it starts with a love and an appreciation and a repentance and getting back to the book. Finding the book. Get the book. Read the book. Proclaim the book. Repent when the book says repent, have a tender heart and a humility towards God and watch God bless your life. I know it. I've seen it in my own life. Your response to the Word of God will have a direct impact on the blessings of God in your life or the lack thereof. This has been Hezekiah part one. Uh, I'm sorry, Josiah part one. And we will continue this on Sunday night and wrap up the Hezekiah and the Josiah years. And then we'll start into next Wednesday night with in-person Bible study again. Good night. God bless each of you. And I love you.